Hi, I'm Scott Ferguson, Managing Editor with Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Derek Weeks. He is the Vice President and DevOps Advocate at Sonotype. Derek, nice to talk to you again. Scott, it's a pleasure to be here. Derek, down in Atlanta, when we had this roundtable discussion, we kind of started everything off by talking about the breach at Equifax and kind of what that's meant two years uh, after it was first announced. In your mind, what's changed since then and, and, and where are we still behind? Yeah, so it's a really good question. We had a great discussion uh, in the roundtable with the different cybersecurity executives in the room about what happened, um, one, in March 7th, 2017, right after the Struts vulnerability was announced that led to the, the Equifax breach. And then as well, post September 7th, when Equifax went public with the information about their, their breach. Um, the, the interesting thing was everyone said, yeah, you know, my organization uh, was aware of the breach. We did some investigations on our use of the, open, the Struts open source uh, component. Uh, following the uh, the breach, and it was really a lot. While some were centered on when the vulnerability was announced in March, I think everyone certainly had their organizations reacting in uh, in September to, hey, they were breached. We understand it was related to an open source component. Are we at risk of uh, being vulnerable from that same kind of component? So, did we ever use those versions of struts? that were vulnerable? If so, where were they? Uh, and they went to go and answer that within their organization. So I think, you know, for many of us that have followed that that news story over the years, that reaction wasn't really a, a surprise to me. I, I think where most uh, organizations, and I see this uh, continuously in exec, uh, executive conversations that I have, especially on the cybersecurity front, is that most people kind of look and react toward the headlines of, oh my gosh, there was an Equifax breach, there was a Home Depot breach or a Target breach, whatever that may be. And they kind of look at, yeah, you know, are were we impacted by that particular thing, um, like a struts vulnerability, but they really don't spend enough time investigating things like, well, how much other open source are we using within our environments? How much other open source are we using that might be vulnerable? And when you, you know, in talking with a room like this, where you say, you know, the average organization uh, doing Java development is consuming 300,000 uh, open source components in the Java community a year, and one in 12 of those has a known security vulnerability. Or for those that are developing in JavaScript, you know, 51% of the 66,000 packages every one of their developers is downloading annually has a known security vulnerability. I, I think they kind of, you know, um, the reaction is to follow the headlines and not to necessarily look at the underlying behaviors in the organization and to really look back, especially in this case of where those are centered in the application development behavior of their organizations. It's the application development teams that are using these open source components that are benefiting tremendously from them, uh, but the visibility to the use of those components is not very clear across the cybersecurity executives, certainly uh, in the base that we were talking to in Atlanta last week. And one issue I think that was a real eye-opener for both of us was talking about the speed of response and how everything is just sped up so much over the last 
two years since this incident happened. What can you kind of bring away from that? What what sort of what sort of should IT folks know about about that? What what should security folks know about that? Yeah, I, I think this this is really where everyone's eyes kind of lit up in the room as we were talking about the the meantime between when a vulnerability is announced and when exploits appear in the wild. So a decade ago, the time between vulnerability announcement and exploits appearing in the wild was 45 days. At the time of Equifax, it was three days and, and has since in, in some cases decreased to zero or instant time between vulnerabilities hitting the market and exploits being available. But I think a lot of people were really surprised when we, you know, I said, hey, you know, Equifax ended up, the initial breach was on March 10th, three days after the Struts vulnerability was announced. But at the same time, Canada Revenue, Canada Statistics, Okinawa Power, the Japanese Post, the GMO Payment Gateway, Apple and other organizations experienced breaches within their organizations related to Struts. Uh, and that uh, in the case of that vulnerability in 2017, the exploit was available in 24 hours. The NSA saw nation states scanning the Pentagon networks within 48 hours of that, uh, of that initial vulnerability announcement. So the adversaries are getting a lot faster. And, and I think there are many cybersecurity organizations that are priding themselves upon uh, you know, how fast can we update our environments? How fast can we deploy new changes within our environment? And they're looking at metrics like it used to take us six months to get an update out there, and now we can do it in a month or two weeks. Uh, and when your adversaries are able to exploit new vulnerabilities in a matter of days, and even sometimes now within a matter of hours, um, you know, getting faster internally um, is certainly something we all need to do in regard to cyber risk, but it's not the only metric that we need to look at. We have to look at the external adversaries that are really the only reason why we invest in cybersecurity anyway. Um, if you're not faster than the adversaries or the people that are attacking you, uh, then you're just outgunned from the start. Uh, and, and I think that's what we need to um, get a better focus on an understanding of is how fast are the adversaries uh, at, um, at approaching the vulnerabilities that we have and successfully breaching us as, as a result? One issue too, Derek, that came up, uh, it seemed again and again, was issues around regulation, whether it was federal or state. Uh, PCI came up uh, on occasion. The new CCPA bill from California also um, became part of our discussion. What should security pros and those watching this space kind of know about how these how these issues are, are going to affect their businesses. Yeah, well, I think you know, for for those in the cybersecurity realm that are following the OWASP guidance, so the Open Web Application Security Project, uh, it, it you know six years ago it introduced in its top ten list that people shouldn't use open source components with known vulnerabilities. They reiterated that a couple of years ago, and their top ten list is still one of the top ten concerns. And we've seen there the, the same wording uh, used from OWASP uh, end up in a lot of other uh, regulatory organizations or policy guidelines from organizations or even nations uh, where the UK government, German government, French government, uh, the US government, uh, in addition to uh, federal agencies or federal organizations, 
underwriter laboratories, the Department, U.S. Department of Defense, the U.S. FDA uh, have adopted policies that we're now seeing in things like the PCI guidelines, the newest PCI guidelines introduced in January 2019 that say, you know, organizations should understand that their developers are not writing software from scratch anymore. They're building software using a lot of open source components. Uh, we know that some of those components have known security vulnerabilities, so we don't want you to build software with components that have known security vulnerabilities. We certainly want you to keep an inventory of the open source components that you're using uh, to understand and track over time if any of those components have vulnerabilities or are discovered to have vulnerabilities over time, you know from the inventory that you've used these and that you would remediate those within a reasonable period of time. And certainly if you've put open source components with known vulnerabilities in the software that you're developing, that you would fix those vulnerabilities before you ship the software to uh, consumers or make that software available uh, to consumers via services your, your businesses might offer. Uh, and, and I think that one that was new to a lot of people in the room that PCI had uh, such policies in place. And while they're in draft form, they're really just in draft form at this time to um, give fair warning to organizations that look, the rules are going to be changing. We're going to be adding new rules around how to manage open source and development that are directly tied to uh, PCI compliance and cybersecurity requirements. Uh, and so they, they put these in draft form to give organizations enough time to react. Uh, but I think that what, you know, the, the wording that I shared around PCI compliance has also been used almost word for word by the FDA and underwriter laboratories uh, and other organizations, including the U.S. Department of Defense, where uh, they don't want software with known open source vulnerabilities uh, to be in their environments or in software that they're purchasing or services that they're purchasing. Uh, and, and so I think the awareness out there in the regulatory industry uh, is certainly continuing to grow um, and PCI is certainly a, uh, going to make that largely visible um, th this year into next year. Great discussion there, Derek. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thanks again, Scott. Really appreciate it. I'm Scott Ferguson, Managing Editor with Information Security Media Group, and I was speaking with Derek Weeks of Sonotype. Thanks very much.